You're now in tune to the Talking Reggae podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay of Street Level Uprising, my very special guest. I don't even know what kind of introduction to give you. So let's just kick it off and say my guest is Sunshine Cantu, and we are going to talk everything about you today. All right. I'm ready. Thank you for having me. I'm so stoked. No, no worries. Thanks for being here. So the easy place for me to start, like I start with everybody. Because this is the Talking Reggae podcast, and I know you're an eclectic artist, and, you, and, and I love that personally, so we're going to get beyond reggae today. But <laughs> tell me when the reggae spirit first hit you. What, what was that first moment you remember reggae washing over you and being like, yo, this is my jam? Well, I grew up playing jazz, um, and so that kind of took me in the direction of the ska circuit, and with ska, obviously, I'm introduced to reggae. So uh, I was about probably 17, 18 when I really started playing reggae. Before that, I was mostly like jazz and, you know, kind of like school-based music. Right, which is awesome. I, I, I come from a schooled background too, so we've got a lot to talk about there. And I, I should have mentioned off the top, um, your main instrument being bass, which of course everybody can, if they're watching the video, they can see the basses there. Um, I, love, uh, I love that you play a Rickenbacker too, and we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to everything. So you're coming up, you're into jazz, you go to school for music. How did that environment affect the musician you are today? Um, sorry. So be like being a schooled musician, right? Or? Right. Like going, like like learning jazz. Um, going really in depth in music as you have to in jazz. You really got to break it all down, the theory, all that stuff. So going through all that schooling, connect the dots from there to here. Would you be a different musician if you hadn't done all that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, the thing with like reggae bass lines um, in general is that people tend to think that they're very easy to play, um, but it's very difficult actually in reality. And you have to be very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to be very in tune with what you're doing. You can't be fumbling around and playing a bunch of notes because reggae bass is really about the notes in between or the space in between the notes. Um, so it was very hard to transition between being a jazz bass player where I'm walking the whole time, right. but boom, 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 you know, keeping the beat with the uh, drums. It's a very different way to keep the beat when you're playing reggae. So it was kind of a hard transition because for me, it was like, well, the more notes you're playing, the better of a musician you are. Mm-hmm. That's what I always thought, but it's not true. And especially so in reggae. Um, so, you know, being schooled with jazz, it definitely like gave me um, the what I needed to stay disciplined and on top of playing the exact like rhythms and bass lines that people expect to hear in certain tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it definitely helped me. Um, but like I said, it was quite the transition. Right. It, it is funny, you know, going through that background myself, it's really cool because you get all that theory and you get all the, the ear training and all that stuff. And that helps you no matter what style of music you play. But you're right. When you're talking about feel or not even, not even feel really, because all music has its own feel, but the attitude of a jazz musician 
and the attitude of a reggae musician are like completely different things, right? We used to do, when I was in college, we used to do like these Friday night jazz funk jams with all these cats who could like really play. And coming from an environment like that into what I do now is like, I'm glad I had that, but it's night and day. It's night and day as far as what you're doing, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, two different worlds for sure. Mm -hmm. Two different mentalities. Yeah. Um, but in the end, we're all just human beings, right? We're all just like trying to represent some music that means like the utmost to us. Right. Uh, whether you're playing jazz or rock or reggae, I mean, at the end of the day, you just want to put out something that people are going to love to hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you're very right. It's two totally different schools of thought for sure. Uh, and that can either make you or break you. It could hurt you or it could be a blessing. It just depends on how you look at it. Right on. Definitely. So how did you get from that into playing reggae, into being out, playing with bands, playing reggae? Um, you know, once I, so the first band that I was really um, a part of, is we were called Monkeys Doing It, and we were like a ska reggae band in South Texas. Um, and we really kind of owned the South Texas circuit for probably about five to six good years until I moved to Austin, Texas. Um, and that's when I really started playing reggae. And then when I moved to California, I started playing more with some bands that people may recognize, like Johnny Love and the Dinky Dinkadelics. I had my own band called Picklefish that I took on tour. I played with Soul Tribe for a few years. Um, I got to play with Bonalia. Uh, now I'm working with Just Goody. So it's just really been, I've been very blessed to have a lot of people want to work with me in the reggae, in the Cali reggae scene. Um, but yeah, I play all kinds of music, but I do very much just love the, the bass and the feel. And I just love to like really rock on stage those reggae beats and rhythms. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you from experience, I, I know why you get a lot of work. It's because, especially in reggae, in any genre, but especially in reggae, if you have a good drummer, if you have a good bass player, you have everything, right? Like I, I'm a guitar player, so I can say this. Anybody can play guitar, <laughs> right? No, that's not true, but there's a lot more of us. There are, there are just thousands and thousands of guitar players. There's tons of singers and, and, and even, even some good keyboard players. But like, if you have a bass player who knows how to play reggae and, and can get a hold of that groove. And it's the same thing with a drummer. If you don't have a good drummer, you don't have anything. So that's why you get a lot of work because you're good. And, and beyond your technical ability, you've got the feel you've got, you've got it on lock. And, and so that's why you get a lot of phone calls is because everybody wants to play with great musicians. So, right. That's, that's really all there is to it. Did, um, uh, obviously, you know, I see some keyboards. I know you can, you can play some keys a little bit. Bass players can play guitar. Did you ever consider any other instrument besides bass as being like your main thing? Or was it bass from the start, bass till now? And, and well, kind of a funny story. So when I first started thinking about like joining the school band, I really wanted to play the drums. Um, and my ass came home with a tuba. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's a bass. That was your first bass then, right? Yeah. My first bass was tuba <laughs> and I played that and I marched that, um, forever, you know, until mm. I graduated high school. Um, anyways, but 
So I play the tuba. Uh, I've played the harmonica most of my life because my great grandma cool. loved the harmonica. Um, so I grew up on Willie Nelson and that whole like Texas country vibe. Yeah. Um, I can play a little bit of guitar. My first song on guitar was Willie Nelson, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain, because that's my mama's favorite song. Um, I play ukulele. I have a ton of ukuleles. Um, what else? Uh, harm, uh, not harmonica. Um, what is the keyboard that you play that you blow through? Melodica. Melodica. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Melodica. Cool. So I like to mess around with a bunch of different instruments, but my, the one I'm best at obviously is bass and ukulele. I can actually like get around pretty well on that and the harmonica too. I was going to mention this later, but since you brought up the, the ukulele, um, I saw this awesome, you do some covers, some covers on, on your YouTube channel. And I saw you played the trumpet solo from So What on, on a, right, on, it was a bass, yeah. it's a bass it's, ukulele, basically, right? Yeah, it's the yeah. U bass. It has yeah. like really thick polyurethane, like rubber type strings. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I transcribed transcribed the trumpet solo for the bass and then it was it took me a minute to get it down but once i got it it was really really amazing and i think that's really great work for any bass player that like really wants to get their chops going is transcribe some like trumpet or saxophone solos and play those on your bass you know yeah well you got the phrasing down i'll tell you i've probably listened to kind of blue more than i've listened to any other album in my life right because um it's such a great, like, it's got everything. It's got the mood. It's got the, the vibe, the grooves. It's got some great playing on there. And Miles, you know, Miles wasn't really known for his chops, but his phrasing is phenomenal. And to capture that on the bass, like, that, that was something. I've watched that a few times on your channel already because I, I, I can't get enough of that. But um, oh, I, 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 thought it was, I thought it was super cool that you would do that. I, I always like seeing like you were just talking about like aspiring bass players, try some like horn stuff. I think that's, that's good advice for any instrument to play things that aren't on your instrument. Cause it, it, it gives you a whole different way of thinking about stuff like that. You know, yeah, uh, absolutely. you've got a lot of other covers on there and you've got some really eclectic tastes. So tell me, we've talked about jazz. We talked about reggae. We talked about Willie Nelson. Where are, some of your other influences, where are those coming from as you were growing up till right now? Who are some of the artists you love? So uh, growing up with my brother, I have a brother that's three years older than me, and he pretty much raised me because my mom was a nurse, and so she worked 12-hour shifts, and she's always working her ass off. Mm -hmm. And so my, I'd listen to whatever my brother listened to, basically, and he loved his, like, country is like Garth Brooks and, and Brooks and Dunn and stuff like this. I don't play any of that, but that is a part of my influences. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, One Hot Minute, uh, that album, bam, dude, like from, from the beginning to the end, I could listen to that album nonstop and probably never get tired of it. Um, that one for sure, just like tip of the top, we'd always listen to that. Um, Tool, I'm a huge, huge, huge Tool fan huge Maynard Ferguson fan. Um, I love Primus. I love, obviously, all kinds of jazz music. I love 70s music. I grew up listening to the Mamas and the Papas. Um, love Mamas and the Papas. Uh, John Denver, 
um, Daniel Johnston, Rocky Erickson, all of these Austin-based Texas musicians just phenomenal. Of course, Rocky and Daniel both passed away late 2019, um, but they'll forever be known as Austin legends. Um, so yeah, I love, I'm just, I love all kinds of music. At Tejano, I grew up listening to Tejano a lot. Um, going to all the like dances and the quinceañeras and stuff, you know, in South Texas, that was just a very big part of our culture. Um, so yeah, all those, all so much, you name it, I probably listen to it. Well, well-rounded uh, influences make a well-rounded musician, you know, and it's, you can, because you've listened to everything, you could play anything, you know? I know um, not only reggae and ska, but I've seen um, you play some heavier stuff too. Some of the some of the covers that you've done on there are more rock oriented and and stuff. What do you when you decide to do one of those cover videos? Is it just um, are you just hanging out sometime and you hear a tune come on? You say I'm gonna go do that or like just some yeah. of your favorite tunes or what? Kind of like I'll do like the covers to kind of just like motivate myself to do something because I find myself, especially the past year, 2020, just really sucked my soul out of me. And so I really had to like push myself just to do little things like that, like do a cover song. Um, and I find when I do those, I really have to like invest some time into it. It's at least probably if not a full day a couple of days um, of just trying to learn the tune and get it to where it's going to be proper because obviously people know what the bass lines are if you're going to be covering it exactly as the bass player did it. Um, so I really just do it to kind of motivate myself and then to inspire other people too because I know when I see people doing cover songs or their own original songs, it inspires me to want to do stuff. Um, so I really hope to be like a catalyst and to inspire people that may be sort of not feeling their best because I'm telling you, every day I'm faking it till I, you know, I'm just faking it till I make it. Like it's hard. Um, and I find that bass has been my medicine and music is my medicine. And the more that I invest in that and not into things that I cannot change, I find my life um, overall to be happier. Um, yeah. so that's really what it is. Mostly I'll try to be like, oh, this will be a really hard tune. I bet if I play this, it'll be badass. You know, so <laughs> be like, okay, playing yeah. tool for like a week straight. Uh, so I really try to pick songs that will challenge me. Um, not that I don't love, I love reggae so much. Um, I don't do as much reggae covers as probably I should just because um, I've been playing reggae for a long time, you know, and um, not that I don't find it challenging. It is very challenging, but at the same time, some of the, the bass lines are very repetitive and stuff like that. So yeah. that's why I kind of choose like the heavier rock stuff. Well, yeah, you're trying to do something that's, interesting for the audience and if you're just trying to put a baseline down sometimes some of the simpler things don't and besides i mean you're trying to step out of your box anyway right i mean you're trying to challenge the number one thing is that you're challenging yourself and when you're challenging yourself we see that and we go hey this is cool if you're playing something that's already right in your wheelhouse it's where's the interest in it right so i i think you're doing i think you're doing it you know going about it the right way if you ask me i think i think it's cool so yeah, no worries. No worries. Um, it, it is cool to see you do stuff like that. Have you given lessons and things like that to bass players also? Are you, have you taught? A little bit. I have, my brother's a band director in Texas. And so I have taught some of his bass students and I do get a lot of people that hit me up more specifically, like later last year and this year that want me to give like bass lessons mm -hmm. to their kids. So I've been 
definitely considering it. You know, yeah. it's not like I can't. I just have to make the time to do right, it. Right. Well, 20, 2020, you were talking about 2020 and, and the, the things that you, what, what else did you do? Because as working musicians, by the time March, April rolled around, it was like, you know, life is going to be different for us this year. So we all got into different things. Some of, you know, I started, me and everybody else started live streaming, right? Everybody was doing that. I started the podcast and a couple other things and you know, figured, all right, I'll just settle down and write for a while. What other things did you do to, to turn 2020 into something that worked for you to, to make it work? Yeah. So I started working with Just Goody, which was a very positive um, turn of events in my life. And so I was able to go down to San Diego and we were, we collaborated together. Nice. Um, I was able to collaborate with Blaine Dillinger, uh, the guitarist from Hyrie. He has a side project called Dillinger's Hired Guns. Right. Um, and then I, there's another band out of Portugal called Mulholland. I also collaborate with them. So I've been collaborating with a bunch of different artists. That's mm. music wise. So yeah, I've been dropping bass lines for multiple different projects. Um, Just Goody, Dillinger's Hired Guns, Mulholland out of Portugal and a few other people um i also started doing live streamings i started a podcast called the sunshine show and you can find it on all streaming platforms including spotify um i also have sunshine and the bass kids on facebook which is an amazing bass group um geared just towards positive content and teaching people how to play the bass and just motivating people and it's an amazing space um and then I just dropped a merch line called Bass Kids Inc. Um, and it's geared towards bass. Woo! Yeah, I saw that. It's cool. I, I I dig some of that stuff. I saw, I was looking through it. There's, you got some cool stuff. Thank you. I appreciate it. So just things like that I've been doing to sort of keep busy. And then the beach isn't too far from my house. So whenever possible, right. I try to go get in some of the fresh, you know, ocean air. because That keeps me, you know, nice and fresh <laughs> yeah no i get i mean I, I i came from florida and uh and and someday i'll be returning there i'm sure but yeah being able to center yourself with nature especially the ocean helps to keep things in perspective doesn't it it really does yeah. it really does just having mother nature right there in that huge body of water it really makes you think about what life is and how small we are compared to you know the entirety of everything Yeah. One thing I've talked to everyone I've, I've had on this show all shares one thing in common uh, besides reggae, obviously. Um, and that is work ethic. Now you're obviously an example of that because you couldn't do all these things that you're doing without that type of work ethic. But how do you balance that? How do you balance what you're doing when? My life has pretty much, I just, this is my life. I mean, pretty much like there, as far as like balance, um, I think there comes a time when you just have to like step back and refocus. Cause obviously if you sit too long in front of the computer and, and go over something too long, your brain is just going to be fried. So it's like good to like step away, but it's, it's hard to find that balance, right? That's something that I'm still trying to figure out because from the time I wake up, I'm thinking, okay, what do I do next? Yeah. What's the next step to make this successful? What's the next step I need to do so that people know who I am? What's the next step for my brand? Um, and so that has basically become my life. Now, if I have like family in town, then I'll take a step back, you know, or friends, then maybe yeah. I get a break. But other than that, I really don't have anybody or anything to tell me sunshine, 
step back, girl. Like you need to take a break before you get fried. And yeah. a lot of people do that. Like they just like go oh, yeah. into mode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's really easy to do that. You, you, you start because the work becomes addictive. It's, it's not just the music that's addictive. The work that you put into the music becomes addictive. And I think a lot of musicians, we just become workaholics and we, we don't think of it like that because to us, it's not, I mean, it's work, but it's not really work. Right. But to keep that balance in there is like, yeah, like I got it. There's times I got to think like, all right, I'm going to have to make time to spend with my family. I can't, I can't just keep working all the time. It's, it's definitely a difficult thing to do. When you think about what to do when you wake up, are there, do you go with whatever you're feeling? Do you let the spirit move you? Or do you have like a mentalist? Like I got to get this stuff done. Yeah, I have a planner that I go by. <laughs> like I have a list of things. There's this book that came out a long time ago and it's called The 10 Most Effective, what is it? Or Five Habits of the Most Effective People. I can't remember, but it's like basically you have to write down what you want to accomplish the night before and at least three things that you want to accomplish. And you write that down and you knock those things out and then whatever you want to do the rest of the day, great. But at least you have knocked out those three things that you wanted to achieve for the day. And I try to do that every day. So when I wake up, I think, okay, what am I going to do to make this, 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 and this happen? And then whatever happens after that, normally I'm still just working on more stuff. But yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, so you're organized. I try to be yeah. organized. Yeah. Like with this kind of brain, I'm constantly going. So if I'm not organized, I don't get anything done. Yeah, no, I, I can dig that for sure. Like if I didn't, like I'm not great at writing stuff down, but I do have it organized in my head. And if I didn't keep on top of that stuff, it'd be like information overload. And it's like, then you don't get anything done. It's like you either compartmentalize and work on these things or it just overwhelms you and you don't get any of it done, right? Yes. Oh, it's the seven hat. Wait, what, I gotta look this up. Seven habits of highly effective people. Okay, right on. Cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you endorsed that book, but let's talk about your other endorsements because you work with a lot of companies. And um, yeah, uh, I saw. Well, I'll let, I'll let you talk about. It. I'll let you talk about. It. Tell tell me. I'm sure they would like it if you get in the plugs too. So yeah. tell me about some of the companies uh, that that are that are lucky enough to work with you. So I have my base right here, my Rickenbacker, my 1974 Rick. And this pit guard right here is an Alperius, Alperius custom pit guard. And Alper is out of Turkey. Um, and he reached out to me a few years ago after I did an interview with Bass Musician Magazine. Um, and he wanted to work with me. And it's been an amazing relationship. And 100% I endorse these pit guards. He does everything custom, handmade, whatever design you want. He could totally put that design on a pit guard. Um, and he just puts a lot of love into everything that he makes. Um, I'm also sponsored by Ampeg. They've been very, very kind to me. Um, and that is just a blessing. Um, I have a spot on their page um, that has like information about me and just the whole thing. It's been really great. Uh, Rotosound Music Strings. I am endorsed by Rotosound. I use flatwound um, strings. No, what do I use? The black nylon strings is oh, normal. Cool. Yeah, nice, cool. Um, those are my favorite. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to start using my five string with Just Goody. 
So I might be looking into some different strings. That's um, cool. I was, was going to ask, um, you know, how often you play five string or whatever. There's, there's always the debate among bass purists of there's no such thing as a five string bass or a six string bass. Right. And, and Bill, our bass player, he's played, I can't remember the last time I saw him with a four string. He's got, he's got a six and he's got a five. And those are the ones that he uses. Um, so how do you feel about that? Do you have any, any issues playing a five string bass? Okay. So this is, um, kind of interesting too. So when I, my very first bass was a five string, mm -hmm. my music director at the time, he didn't know how to play bass, but he taught me like tuning and things like this. And he thought that it was supposed to be a high C. Oh. So forever when I played the only way that I knew how to play five string was with a high C. So mm. when you have a six string bass, you'd have a high C, right? But normally yeah. for a five, you have, okay. Yeah. So, um, trying to transition and play a five string that has that low, what is it? D or B? A B. Yeah. B. A low B. Yeah. It's a mind, like, it, <laughs> you know, it messes with me. And, uh, so I'm trying to like learn that skill. Um, because Goody wants the five string bass. Mm -hmm. I would prefer just to play my Rickenbacker and just to play the four string, like this is my shit right here. Sorry, I don't yeah. know if I can test or not. Um, you could, this is this is a is an adult show. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I will be when we go on the road or for performances with Goody. I will be using the five string. So you know, I don't feel any way about it. I yeah. feel it's a bass. That you know, he wants the low B. I get it for mm -hmm. that low thump. You know, yeah. which is like very prevalent in the reggae sound and for that tone and stuff. So I'm about it. I'm all about it. Uh, but yeah, yeah preference wise. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you brought up that the first five string you played on had a high C because what Bill recently did with his five string is he's like, he's like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not getting down on that low B very often. I think I would actually benefit from a high C so that's what he did. He moved all his strings up and out. So now he's got the E at the low end and he's got the C like he, um, he probably takes more solos than the average reggae bass player. So I think he wanted that extension, yeah. but that's what he's doing now with his five string bass. He's got it going from E up to the high C. So it's, it's funny that that's how you started. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause in jazz, you know, we'd always do for a jazz bass solos. You yeah. want the higher. Right. right. And so he comes. Yeah, he comes from that jazz background too, just like we do. So that's 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 probably why it is. So um your Rickenbacker, I mean, this is this is not a bass that you see every day, even in you know the rock world. You've got it's associated with very specific players. How did you get into playing a Rickenbacker? Uh, Rickenbacker. Um, that ska band, the same band I was telling, talking to you about, Monkey's doing it. Uh, my saxophone player at the time, Omar, his um, neighbor basically just gave him this 1970-whatever Rickenbacker. And Omar's like, hey, like, check out this bass. Because at the time, I had like a five-string, uh, like a PV, I think it was my first bass. Um, and I got that Rickenbacker and I was like, oh shit. Because I've always liked um, like things from the 60s and 70s, like the whole aesthetic and the vibe. Um, and there's just something about these guitars, like the body shape and how thin they are. And um, 
it just drew me to it. I, I think because they're so eclectic. And then the sound is very eclectic, right? You either love it or you hate it. Yeah, you won't yeah. find most bass players playing a Rickenbacker. It's just not really going to happen. Right. Um, I've done mods, though, on my Ricks in the inside with the wiring um, that limited the bass capacitor. And I actually took that out, shunted the cap. So the bass is in full... Um, full rumble mode for these 1970 early Rickenbackers they uh actually limited the bass I don't know why you would do that on a bass guitar but so that's why it's so trebly yeah. and high and kind of clanky and that's the sound that's associated with the bass you don't want clanky in reggae like you right. don't want, you will get booed off the stage <laughs> <laughs> So I do get I do get a lot of questions about that because I have found a tone on the Rickenbacker and I actually did a write up I think Ampeg and a couple of the other people shared it and it was basically how to do the mod, um, what strings to use, um, your finger placement obviously is very important finding that sweet spot um, and then just a few few other things. Uh, if I fi I'll find it and whenever you put the podcast out I'll drop a comment or whatever yeah that, that's cool that's cool it's um it's it's definitely interesting um you have kind of your own thing going on but who are the reggae bass players that you learned from that you looked to for inspiration i mean i you know obviously you can go way back and some of the best bass players that have ever lived are reggae bass players so yeah yeah. It's funny that you asked that. I just um, dropped a shirt on my baseline that says, I think it's Shakespeare, Holt. What was the third one? Did I write it down? Um, so obviously Flava Holt, um, Robbie Shakespeare. Oh, I can't remember the third guy. Um, but obviously those are two of the biggest players, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm that we can think of that I've definitely like studied reggae school through them. Um, and a lot of people around here in Santa Cruz, um, there's a guy called uh, Herbert Daly. He's an amazing old school bass player. Um, but yeah, the greats that, that, you know, obviously would be Shakespeare and Holt. Right. I was trying to find my shirt so I could tell you who the third one was. <laughs> but yeah. Well, you're talking about legends. You're talking about the people who define the sound, you know? Um, Hello. Yeah. I would have bet money that you were going to say that. Um, now, he's my favorite bass player of all time. Um, and I was, I was blessed. I got a chance to see the Whalers before he retired. Um, at the time he was the only original whaler still left. I got, I got to stand, I got to the venue so early, um, just so I could stand right in front of him. And I did, I stood like, right. It was a small stage. I was able to stand right in front of him and just watch. I didn't care about anything else that was going on. I wanted to watch his, his hands all night, you know? So, uh, obviously, obviously legendary outside of reggae. Who are some of the other bass players that you take a lot of inspiration from? Um, James Jamerson, um, obviously, Lee, yeah. Claypool, yeah. Norwood Fisher. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fishbone! I, I, so I, I, got to, I got to meet them a few times, but I got to interview Norwood once when I was, damn, this is when I was a teenager. I got to interview Norwood, and it was like still one of the best moments of my life. But I love his bass playing so much. My favorite bass players, and this goes for Family Man, goes for Robbie Shakespeare are the ones who, no matter what else is going on in the music, 
you can hum their baseline, right? Because it stands out to you and, and Norwood's like that. So um, uh, much respect for your Norwood fandom. Uh, please go on. <laughs> um, and then, you know, a lot of, uh, obviously, Jocko Pastoris, a lot of like amazing um, jazz bassist. Um, and then I was blessed to be surrounded by amazing bass players when I... I lived in Austin. One of my mentors is Rudy Rue. Um, and just people that um, aren't famous per se, but should be, you know, because yeah, yeah. they're just amazing bass players. So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I, I, like, uh, I like the original vibes that you bring to things. I like how eclectic you are. Let's talk about Sunshine Sessions. Sunshine Sessions. So you can find most of the Sunshine Sessions on YouTube. Um, for the most part, they need to be mastered. Um, these are just kind of like the roughs that I've done videos for that are on my YouTube channel. But basically, they're just like my original music that I'm putting out. I used to put it out under Picklefish. I changed it to Sunshine Sessions. Um, and it's basically just like a, a an amazing project that I've collaborated with a bunch of musicians out of Austin, Texas. Um, also, Mike Dillon. Um, uh so so many people and um at the end hopefully by the end of march i'll have a album that i'm going to drop and i'm doing artwork with jimbo phillips which is also the artist behind the screaming hand well his father did the screaming hand but um so i'll drop that like late march but yeah it's just the project where I collaborate with a bunch of different artists and we make badass fucking music and most of it's like blues and like jazzy. There's a little bit of reggae influence, uh, but you really can't put it in a box because mm -hmm. everybody has so many different influences and they all put a part of their heart into the project. So yeah, that's cool. Well, that's the way most music is today anyway, right? I mean, there's 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 not a lot of real purity left and and by this point there shouldn't be because everything that we do gets filtered through our brains and everything we've ever heard. So I, I've always been a big fan of eclectic music. We talked about Fishbone a, a minute ago and talk about a band that's eclectic. Like I've always really dug that, like a band that can just do whatever they want to do. And you could put them in the rock genre if you want, but there's a lot more to them than that. So it's cool to see you doing that with Sunshine, sunshine Sessions and, <laughs> and, and just kind of, because you're doing whatever, whatever, spirits coming through you and your collaborators and and that's uh that's really cool so you'll have to uh, you'll have to let me know as we get closer to that coming out so i can i can start shouting it out to people too but, oh thank you that'd be really cool oh yeah no worries so w what else are you looking forward to in 2021 i mean we're at a point where we don't really know what this year is going to bring is it going to be just like 2020 are we going to be cool in the summer are we not but let's say it's best case scenario what would you what would you look to do in 2021 if 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 life comes back to the way it used to be well um either way for sure me and goody and the rest of the band we're putting together an amazing show um and we have an rv that we're renovating and we're going to take it on the road and our hopes are to like do little pop-up house parties and like Ooh pop-ups at the beach and you know just kind of go and cruise it um if we could do that what you know even amongst this if we we're all like socially distanced um that'd be great so that's the plan 
Um, and just being able to see my friends and getting on stage, like, oh my God, I haven't played a show since shit. I think it was last Valentine's day. I, at the catalyst was the last show I played and it's just, it's fucking weird, man. Because like, that's how I get out (laughs) my like energy, you know, that's how I get out like my feelings and my emotions on stage. So when I don't have that outlet, it's really hard to figure out where to put that energy towards. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I've been I've been stepping on stages since I was 15 years old, which at this point is a really, really, really long time ago. So when 20 <laughs> when when 2020 popped up, it's like, what? Like what like so like you, we played our last full band show. Um, it was a Bob Marley's birthday celebration that we did the first week of February. And and that was it, right? We played a, a show without our horn players. We did a socially distant show in June that we had committed to like a year before. So we did that. Um, but that was it, you know, and it's like, like, I haven't even seen our, our, our trumpet and trombone player. I haven't even seen her since, you know, last almost a year now. And it's like, it's, it's just, it's, it's insane. Obviously we we need to, we are not built to be not, no one is built for lockdown. Right. But like musicians, especially it's like, we're not even used to being home this much. I know it's so hard. I don't know how like but everybody's putting up with me around here. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but those are my hopes, man. Like no matter what, just trying to stay like positive, like really just seeing the people of the United States and just you know, like just instead of like disconnecting, just trying to unite as one. I hate to see so much fighting and all this crazy shit. I'm like, man, don't we have enough to worry about? Like, it's just, it's really crazy. So I really hope that we can all just kind of come together and, you know, learn to learn that we're blessed and we don't need to be fighting over all this stupid shit. Yeah. Well, I, fighting over stupid shit is i mean it's it's what americans do really it's a it's a point of national pride that we're so freaking privileged that that we decide to fight with with each other all the time now it's uh, obviously there's a lot that needs to change a lot that needs to happen and you can only hope that we get there reggae is a good point for that though because it preaches unity resistance revolution unity peace love this it's in the fabric of reggae so I do have hopes, at least for our community, that we can kind of keep. And there's been, there's, there's, there has been some, some turbulence even in the reggae world, but hopefully we can keep things together and, and, uh, and maybe show other people the way a little bit, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the beautiful thing about reggae is that you can really use the music to unite and not like separate people, but bring people together. And I think that's what us as musicians, we do have a high responsibility as far as that's concerned. You can really rile people up or you can teach people a different way, a different way and how to be peaceful. And it's very important that we take that responsibility seriously and we use it for the good and not for the bad. And we don't need to be making people fight we need to unite unite as one definitely <laughs> i think you know it sounds it, it sounded so simple and a lot of people dismiss it the whole the john lennon all you all you need is love thing but if if you feel love for any human being then it's really not possible f- to treat people the way we see people treating each other right now right if you have that kind of love it is that simple 
you know, you love it, love, respect. And if you start with love and respect, then you get the other things that you want. You get that unity, but it's got to start somewhere. It doesn't. And, you know, it starts within. And I think a lot of people don't realize that if you're not happy with yourself, mm -hmm. then it's so much easier to be like mean and hurtful towards other people because you don't understand that you're hurting inside. And so you're kind of like pushing that towards other people. If you heal yourself and be happy with yourself, then you can treat the people around you the way that they need to be treated. Um, and I think that's very, very, very important for people to understand. I've been there. I've done that. You know, it's hard for me sometimes to realize what I'm doing to the people around me when I'm angry or I'm upset, you know, and I'll take that to a whole nother level. That's what's going on around us yeah. with so many people, you know, that, they just need to heal and just want to be loved. We like to think sometimes that we're all very rational and calculating people. And it's like, nah, it's like, we're all just a bunch of emotional beings, emotional animals, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. I love the way you put it there about loving yourself, being happy within yourself. Cause yeah, when you're miserable or you're angry or upset, it's like, you don't see reality you don't see the world for what it really is you have your reality yeah. and, and sometimes it takes somebody to say to you like nah like the, like that's not the way it is right yeah absolutely 100 percent. and uh, it's just being open-minded and being able to like realize that you know so for everybody at home you are loved and we are all human and we can get through this together but we got to get through it with love not with violence and negativity and war yeah it's, it's, it's a bummer that, you know, we faced this crisis and then another crisis and another crisis. And, and it just seems like it really just snowballed. And, and it really is about dealing with your emotions, dealing with your attitude and saying, okay, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. And, you know, some people just run around screaming and, and it's like, then you've got, you know, where, where is that unity? How can we rein all of this in? So we can only hope that things start to simmer down a bit, cooler heads prevail. And then there are different differences. You know, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but, but being a, a lifelong American, we have these differences. Some of it maybe can't be bridged, but there's so much that can, that it at least gives us that starting point to say, you know, put your stupid weapons away and let's start talking to each other. Like, like people, like human beings, preconceptions, prejudices, bury that stuff and, and let's move on. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it sounds, it sounds simple and it sounds lame when I say it, but right. Like, but no, it's 100% accurate what you're saying. And people need to realize that they need to like, shut the media off, shut the fucking news off. Like, People like the media is like swaying our thoughts and our emotions, even Facebook, even Instagram, all these, all these social media platforms, like they have such a huge control over our mind. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. Like yeah. fucking do your own research. Like don't believe everything that's like presented to you. Like make sure like it's actual, like accurate facts. And it's hard like in this world to do that now because we're just constantly being fed things that people or that the media wants us to be fed whether it's accurate news or not right you know? right no you're right it's all about you know radio tv like uh social media all of this is like yeah sometimes it's positive sometimes it's negative but it's what we're being fed and you have to the best thing i did in 2020 was make the conscious decision to stop fucking going on Facebook. Like 
I gave up, I gave up for the most part on Twitter a couple of years ago, but, but even like Facebook and Instagram, I do the street level stuff, but I don't really do personal stuff on there anymore. Cause it's just a bunch of people screaming at each other. And we're not, I didn't see anybody building bridges. I just saw wedge after wedge. And I was like, I, I just, I can't be a part of this. Yeah. It's hard and it's very daunting and it can suck all your energy, you know, out of life. So I use Facebook for the same thing. I mean, I do connect with my friends and family and um, fans, um, but I use it mostly as like a branding um, uh, platform, but also to like really inspire and uplift people. I never get into like the negativity. You'll never see me posting the drama or like yeah. posting like news articles and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Like you can go find that information somewhere else, but I definitely like try to preach love as much as possible. Right on, right on. That's a big point for us too. I mean, what, what we do is like, it's like a militant conscious brand of reggae, but I leave that in the lyrics and you'll never see us posting anything negative or critical. You'll never see us talking about politics like the way like democrats republic like nah you know you know i think it's important i think it's, as musicians it's important for us to take social stands but for me personally i draw the line at party politics i don't see how that's gonna help anybody right now yeah it's not and it's just dividing us as a country and it's really sad yeah. it's so so fucking sad man yeah. um and you know funny thing is i graduated um with a degree in political science and sociology and then i went back for my master's in political science right because i was going to change the world and then i found out about the electoral college and i was like oh shit so they actually pick who's <laughs> president not the po okay but no i'm not doing that and then i just like deep dived into music that's a true story yeah it's funny because when i you know I started going to college and I was doing music education. And then I realized I don't want to be a music teacher. And I was getting classical music shoved down my throat and I have respect for classical, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to play jazz and the school lied to me. So I said, you know what? I'm switching to psychology. So I became a psych major, didn't finish college, but that's beside the point became a psych major. But one of my favorite classes I ever took was international relations. I really dug it but I wouldn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's nice from the outside, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it's great because we actually were able to like take all of that that we learned and then put it into like some lyrics or into some music that we can use to like get out what we're feeling, but also to like talk to other people and kind of like let them know without too much putting it in their face. This is what you got to do, you know? Just love one another. <laughs> Damn it. It's so easy. Just ah! stop fighting. How, uh, how much of that? I mean, obviously, this is, this is like your life philosophy, that all this stuff, right? So that's going to go into your playing. It's going to go into your creativity. Not just the balance of creativity, recording, playing shows. I'm sure, and I'm sure you enjoy all of that stuff. But is there any of that that you prefer? Like, I used to love more than anything playing live. Um, but then when I got my hands on my own digital technology, like the creative process became a lot more fun. You know, I, when I, the first time I ever recorded, I was on the tail end of tape. It was like the last time before digital technology was widespread. Right. So the first time wow. I recorded was to tape, which meant like this tape is expensive. The studio time is expensive. You better nail this shit in one take or it's going to cost you more money. So like recording was stressful 
for me when I was, what was that, like 16, 17. But then digital comes out and it's like, oh, I got all this. So I appreciate recording more than I, but I used to be all about the live playing. So how do you feel about all the different aspects? I, um, so I used to love recording. I still do. I love to go into the recording studio and like get down. For some reason now I get more nervous, like just depending on who like I'm recording with or if like they're over my shoulder, like watching me like that shit. No, I don't like, unless I know what I'm doing, like I don't want anybody over my shoulder. It like makes me so nervous. Yeah. Um, but obviously like stage for sure is my absolute favorite just cause I love being an entertainer and like a huge part of a stage show for me is not only like giving the audience an amazing musical sound but you also visually need to be very stunning and so that's why you know when i am on the stage you won't it's very hard to keep up with me i'm like running all over the place i've seen it (laughs) i've seen it and um and i should and and i'm sorry because i should have brought that up earlier um your your stage presence is is excellent i i am i'm like you right i'm of this and i don't know if it's old school or what but like no matter what messages I have to say or how great of a musician I think I am. Yo, we're entertainers. Yeah. And and we're and we're there to put on a show. And you can do all the other stuff that you do in music and still put on a show. So when I watch you, I'm like, yes. When I see a show, I want multiple focal points. I want more than one person who I'm going, man, I'm having fun. And like you're all over the place. Your enthusiasm comes out. Your appreciation for the music comes out. And you can also tell that you're enjoying the interaction with your bandmates, the interaction with the audience. I think it's a big deal. I think that energy is a big deal. And when I see you playing like that, I'm like, here's someone I'm going to pay money to go and see, because I'm not just going to hear the tunes that are on the album. I'm going to see some cool shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I don't know where I get all the energy. Like, it's really funny, too. A lot of people, if, when I post videos of, like, my live shows, they're like, oh, my God, like, how are you headbanging to reggae? Like, they're like, if you turn the sound down, it looks like you're playing, like, <laughs> like heavy metal. I don't know what possesses me or what comes over me. Like, I just love to put on a show. And, like, when I, like, hear those beats, like, my head just goes, you know what I mean? Like, dude, yeah. I love to give my all and i'll tell you what by the end of the show like half the time i can barely pick my head up like i'm normally like suffering the whole day afterwards but it's totally worth it yeah 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 no i i we do suffer on stage sometimes but it's you can't force it either right it's got to be natural so like i got i got people in our band who they feel it i got people in the band who just kind of stand there it's like whatever but it has to be natural you can't force yourself to do those things but I will say that those of us who are a little more active, we walk away with a lot more injuries. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, your, your neck's going to hurt you. And, and uh, there's often a little bit of blood on, on a, on a guitar or a bass. It's like, that's, that's just the price we pay. Right. But, oh, yeah. um, but you know, the audience is going to walk away feeling that because they see if you're into it, they're into it. Oh yeah, 100%. And that, you know, the thing that the thing is, Jay, like no matter if I'm playing for two people or like how much for Bon Jovi, I think we had a full house. I think it was like 20,000 people. Like I'll put out the same energy. Like it does not matter because for me, you know, 
I need to because what those yeah. two people that are there, like they want to, they want a good show. Yeah. And what happens if they walk away? Then yep. you're playing you're just the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I try yeah. to keep those people, and then hopefully more people come in because with any show, you just never know. Sometimes there's going to be people. Sometimes there's fucking not going to be anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Still got to fucking put your heart and soul into it. I, I agree a hundred percent. I was fortunate that I learned that lesson when I was young. You'll never hear me say things like "thank you both for coming." That's it's 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 man, it's it's insulting to the audience to hear something like that because them two people did come out to see you, and they don't care that there's not fifty other people there. They paid their money to see you. You show them respect, and you play the way you play. I read a quote. I don't know who was talking about, but they were talking about Sting a long time ago. About and and they said, you know, would you consider the police to be? punk rock. And I don't know if it was like Joe Strummer or one of them cats that they were talking to. And he said, well, a lot of people might not consider the police punk, but I saw them in a pub in such and such place in England. And there were three fucking people in the place and Sting gave it everything he had. So as far as I'm concerned, he's, as, he has a right to be called punk as anyone. And so I figure, well, shit, if Sting's doing that, like, I don't have an excuse. Right. And, and you give it a hundred percent and that's what you do. Yeah, dude, and you have to, and that's how you get people's attention, and that's how they stay following you or, you know, buy your music and things like that. You have yeah. to respect the one. Yeah, yep. It's all about the one. <laughs> all about the one, baby. <laughs> well, this has been an amazing discussion, but I, I've, I've held you on here longer than I promised, so I am going to let you go, which is unfortunate for me because I, I could, we could keep doing this, but um, I want you just real quick, tell everybody, if you don't know Sunshine, check out this. If you don't know Sunshine, check out sunshinecantu.com for all your sunshine needs. <laughs> and obviously you got some great videos on YouTube from all of your different ventures. Uh, you catch you on Facebook doing all kinds of stuff. Instagram, right? So um, yeah, just Google, if yeah. you just Google Sunshine Cantu, a yeah. whole bunch yep. of stuff will pop up for you. And I <laughs> did that because I take, I take research in this very seriously. So. I Googled Sunshine Can too. And yeah, there's there's just a ton of stuff out there and um and just great stuff. I mean, you know, it's it's um I I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to blow smoke at you, but uh, a great bass player is a very important thing, especially in reggae. I love how you play, I love what you're playing on. I even dig the fact that you're playing a Rickenbacker, which you don't normally like. I, I love all that. You're doing great. Keep up the work, keep up the energy, and um Hopefully we can talk again soon, but in the meantime, I'm going to be checking out Sunshine Can too. and anyone watching this video or hearing this on the podcast, you need to do it also. Thank you so much, Jay, for having me. I appreciate you and everything that you're doing for the community, and you please keep up the great work as well. Yeah, right on, right on. Anytime, we'll do it again, and I'll say one love, Sunshine. One love, brother. Want to know more about Street Level Uprising? Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Did you know that you could get our dub EP absolutely free? Just go to streetleveluprising.com slash seven. That's the number seven. This EP is not available anywhere else. You won't hear it on Spotify. You won't be able to buy it on CD at one of our shows. This EP is just to thank you for your support and features dub versions of seven Street Level Uprising tunes. Check us out on Spotify or Apple Music to hear all three of our studio albums. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Talkin' Reggae. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah.